Today we are merging two annual traditions into one service. We find that these two things go hand in hand. The first is the universal church tradition of Epiphany. And the second, if you haven't noticed, our church tradition of dedicating our babies and honoring our children. I'm always grateful that we observe Epiphany here at Peace because it gives us another chance to reflect on the stories surrounding the Nativity. We spend four weeks here during Advent preparing for the birth of Jesus. We never really talk about it during those four weeks and then Christmas hits and we don't, you know, we don't have services here on Christmas Day because we rent the space unless it happens to fall on a Sunday. And even then, I don't think we do it on have a service because we're like, let's stay home. <laughs> so then Christmas hits, and many of us don't actually observe Christmas season, which lasts for 12 days, meaning that we don't really settle in to the very thing we spent so much time preparing to receive. So Epiphany grants us one last opportunity to ponder God as babe before the rest of the year really kicks off. It is a day in which we recall the mysterious story of the Magi, and it's a day that marks the moment in Scripture when Jesus, God incarnate, is first revealed to the Gentiles, aka outsiders, who weren't a part of Jesus' Jewish tradition. The account of the Magi and their visit to Jesus um, is only recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew is a very Jewish-centric text. Matthew is speaking to a Jewish audience. Um, and yet here he is bringing in these outsiders who were led by a star to confirm the very presence of God. And then even more interesting is when you compare that birth account with the only other birth account, which is in the Gospel of Luke, Luke's audience is to Gentiles. Luke is speaking to a Gentile audience, and yet Luke includes the insiders in his account, the Jewish shepherds led by the angel to confirm the presence of God. So what that tells me is that a whole, as a whole, both stories are foreshadowing the radical inclusion we will come to associate with Jesus' life and ministry. Uh, everyone is included in every way. Insider or outsider aside, these were all people who were invited to step into a holy moment and bear witness to the glory of God in the form of a baby, Emmanuel. God with us. Now personally, I too have witnessed the glory of God in the form of a baby. She was born on January 1st, 2016. See, I am convinced that the first time I laid eyes on my daughter, I saw the face of God. And the moment I held her, I knew the grace of God. But the thing is, it's not just her. It's every baby ever born. And they're loud, right? <laughs> it's new life born among us, whether in our family or among our friends or in our church community. And it's not just babies born, but it's everyone who has a part in ushering them into this life. Because I also saw the face of God that day in Lyle 
and in the midwife and the doula and the doctor I didn't think I we were going to need. I saw it in the nurses who cared for us and Anna Swisher who taught me how to to feed my baby. I saw the face of God in these givers of life and I also saw it in the people who brought us meals over the months and in those who gave us advice and a helping hand. It takes a lot of people to sustain a thriving new life. Chaos and darkness and death exist all around us and yet as predictable and miraculous as every morning's sunrise, there is also every day new life being born into the world. New life constantly springing up and the power of this tangible reminder of love and hope, the birth of a baby, is meant to be a gift to all of us. So this past week I did two things. I celebrated my daughter's third birthday, which was on Tuesday. Her party was yesterday. And I spent time thinking about and planning for this week's baby dedication. And the combination ended up being a recipe for nostalgia because I found myself thinking on my daughter's dedication back when she was four months old. And to be honest, I couldn't really remember what happened. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> it's like they say it's for the, the parents, but it, I don't know if that's true because I don't actually remember what happened. It's like, like, what did we say when we came up here at the end? No idea. Did we read a prayer? I don't think so. Was the reception? Not sure. I don't know. I do, however, remember being exhausted. I remember feeling self-conscious about my lingering baby weight. I remember feeling unplugged and out of sync from the community because, you know, we had been out of pocket for a few months and then it seemed like I never could actually stay in an entire service without having to leave for some baby-related reason. So I don't remember very much about the day when my daughter was dedicated other than rushing up at the very last moment to be a part of the litany at the end, which you'll see here in a minute. We didn't get any family pictures or photos of Cozy at Church that day. However, after doing some digging, I was able to find an Instagram post from that day with a picture of Cozy. Clearly, I did it at the very last minute because it was on the kitchen table in our house, still in her car seat, but she had on the same told dress that I had put her in for the ceremony. And this is what I had captioned it. I just, I just said, I hope I can parent in a way reflective of the things that Jesus embodied in love and humility and not in fear. And I hope these are the kinds of things that are important to her one day too. So for me, this pretty much sums up the kind of parent I want to be, but it also sums up why I think moments like this baby dedication are important. Like the Eucharist we took earlier. I loved your meditation, by the way. Um, and like, you know, any other form of corporate worship, today is a reminder of our deep need for community. Because parents can hope things for their children all day long, but the reality is it takes a village to actually see those hopes realized. So, hello village. You're it. <laughs> if you have ever wondered what's the point when it comes to these baby dedications, here it is in a nutshell. For the family, this is a space to say, we have the best intentions for this little life in our care, spiritual and otherwise. 
but we also recognize that we need help because most of the time we don't know what we're doing. And for family, today's dedication is also a space to say, yay, you people love us and we are in the thick of things right now and you have been the tangible love of Jesus to us. Thank you. For the congregation, today is a way of saying, yes, we are here, and yes, we do love you, and your little one is a part of our community now. Let this day be proof of that. We are with you in the fog. We are with you out of it. We are with you just as you are with us. For all of us, today is a holy ritual. It is a moment in which we intentionally decide to make an otherwise ordinary day significant. It is a marker in time that says, here is the day where we, a great cloud of witnesses, breathe the love of an entire community, indeed the love of Christ, into a new life. A life that we all commit to value and love. It is a promise that is renewed day in and day out, just based on the doing of life together. But this moment of ritual is also a stamp of beauty to be imprinted in our minds and in our hearts for when we ultimately need the reminder because even though there's new life, there's still chaos and death and darkness, right? I mean, even when Jesus was born, the heaviness of the world still trudged along. So for us too, we acknowledge that even though the celebration of new life is a time of great hope and joy, the world still goes on as it is, which is imperfect and broken and hurting all of us every one of us here today sit here imperfect and broken and hurting in various ways and we need each other to navigate our way through the mess people who are tasked with the responsibility of raising children in this season need help just as every one of us in here need help from time to time, whether single or married or retired or healthy or ill or joyful or grieving, we all need our sacred communities to survive. It matters. Babies, children, young people have a way of reminding us about what really matters, right? I can remember that period of months, many parents still in it right now, um, when after Cozy was born and nothing was important to me. Nothing mattered but that she ate and slept and pooped and that I got in on the whole sleep thing every once in a while too. Rest and nourishment and love, nothing else mattered. And it's not just babies, but kids will do that to you. They are just so easy to love, to want to protect. They're so innocent, <clears throat> so full of wonder and imagination pause <coughs> I have a cough drop in my mouth and there's tea right there they're so full of fun and beauty and they will set us straight if we will let them kids just have a special way of making us think deeper about what really matters most in our own lives and so as crazy as it may seem that God would be revealed in human form first and foremost as a tiny little baby, it's actually not that strange at all when you really think about it. Epiphany is our reminder of God incarnate, God embodied in human form, Jesus walking among us daily, reminding us of what really matters, and it all starts through the birth of a child, new life, 
a gift to all of us. We know that Mary and Joseph were overwhelmed with love for Jesus. We read in Mary's canticle about love so great it extends to all of God's people. A baby was born and her love wasn't limited to the baby. Instead, new life was the catalyst that caused her heart to grow and her capacity to love to expand. This is how bearing new life affected Mary. But Epiphany, the Epiphany came to the Magi. Not the parents, not the extended family or the community of Jewish people. The ones who experienced this great epiphany, this mystical moment that led them to the very presence of God, were a group of astrologers from some other country. For me, this makes the story of the nativity all the more powerful, that the invitation to do some divine gazing, to receive the gift of a miracle in this up-close and personal way, was extended so far outside the bounds of anything we could have otherwise imagined. And I don't think it's too far off to make some comparisons in our own context. As a community, divine gazing is part of what we do. And not just vertically toward God, but horizontally too. We see the face of God in each other. This is so often how we know who God even is, right? what God is about. We look into each other's lives, the complicated and the beautiful, the fun and the difficult. We look into each other's lives. We step into each other's holy moments. We walk through the muck together. And when something as miraculous as new life greets one of our people, the powerful reminder of what new life can do touches all of us. And we do some divine gazing together. And sometimes it's in the form of a meal train, and sometimes it's in the offer to hold someone's baby during the service so they can actually listen for one of the Sundays or play with a little one. Sometimes it's through a children's blessing or a baby dedication. Just like all of our many moments shared together, these are moments not just for the family involved, but for all of us. We genuinely need our sacred communities to survive, remember? So... I'm going to invite our families to come up now with their little ones. It is time. So we can do some divine gazing together. We want to acknowledge the beauty of this.